Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. Why is your life wrapped up around what they are doing or what they have done? Why? Why complicate your life with someone else's mess? Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Matthew 7 verse 1 says, Judge not. Is everybody in Matthew 7? All right. It says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rent you. We're going to speak from the subject today of sweep around your own front porch. Sweep around your own front porch. There was a popular song some time ago. It said, sweep around your own front porch before you try to sweep around mine. Sweep around your own front porch. Now, as is our custom, we're going to, as we've read the scripture, we're going to go back and and glean from the Word of God. We're going to take our knives and our forks, and we're just going to dig right into the Word of God to see what truths the Lord will reveal to us today. Because we believe in the pulpit ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We believe that He can speak with words of knowledge and, and words of wisdom and bring us truths that will enlighten us as we go about our day-to-day lives. We do understand that as we come into the church, the word that comes across the pulpit uh, are words not just for the church building. No, but these are words uh, that must be examined and lived by seven days a week. God is trying to add to you seven days a week. Hallelujah. We should not be as some of those are in the uh, parable of the sower, that uh, when the word comes forth, it falls on stony ground and or, you know, and no sooner than they leave the church, they've forgotten what was said. They did not observe the word that was spoken. In other words, we can say they did not apply themselves to learning. And the Lord said, uh, uh, we shouldn't be that way. No, but we should apply that word to the very foundation of our lives. Then, of course, when the rain comes, when the wind comes, when, when all these things and the floods come and they beat upon the house of our lives, our house will not fall. It will not fall. Why? Because we have prepared a strong foundation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. So let's dive into the rich word of God. I'm excited. So we're going to look really uh, starting at verse number 3. 
Now it starts with the word and. Verse 3 starts with the word and, which means we also need to consider verses 1 and 2 as it talks about not judging. Don't you judge. Uh, it is also said as you point one finger at me, there are three more fingers pointing back at you. Hallelujah. You need to consider yourself. And this is exactly what these verses are talking about. But let's dive in. Are you ready to put on your snorkel gear? Put on your gear. We're going to go and dive right into the word of God. All right. It says in verse 3, it says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is, on, that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Now, notice something here. We're going to define some words here because I just love words, and it helps bring out the flavor and the meaning of the verse. So if you came today to hear and to understand the word of God, you've come to the right place. And so the Bible says, again, and why, I love that, why, why beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye? We're going to work with that phrase just for a moment. Why? I can see the Lord. This almost sounds like a, a question of frustration. Why? Why are you looking at the mote that is in your brother's eye? Why? Don't you have something better to do than to look at what's in their eye? Why? I love when God asks questions. Now, whenever the Lord asks questions, he already knows what the answer is. He's just trying to bring something to your attention. Amen? He says, why beholdest? Now, uh, the word beholdest there is uh, a blipo in the, in the Greek. And it means, um, metaphorically, it means to see with the mind's eye. To see with the mind's eye. Now, we can take this scripture quite literally, and, uh, and it has the same meaning. And, of course, we've seen the scripture before, and we've, we've talked about there being a moat or a speck or some sawdust in someone else's eye. And uh, we go over there and, and see it and, you know, talk about the person. And the Lord says that you don't know that there is a big tube before a beam in your eye. Take out the speck first. I mean, take out the moat, or rather the beam out of your eye so that you can see clearly how to help them with that speck that's in there. But how um, do you know the word of God? Now, that is true, and the Lord is talking about sin as it relates and things that we are doing wrong. But the word of God goes even deeper. It goes even deeper. I find the word of God is like an onion. It has several layers, several layers. So with the help of the Holy Spirit today, we're going to pull back more layers uh, so that we can uh, glean even more from the Word of God. So it says, um, why beholdest? Now, the word beholdest, again, comes from the word blipo, uh, and it metaphorically means uh, to see with the mind's eye. It means uh, the word believest, rather beholdest, uh, means to have or uh, to have the power of understanding. It means to turn the thoughts or direct the mind to a thing. It means to consider, to contemplate, to look at, to weigh carefully, to examine. Now, let's look at this. I love stories. So when the Lord talks to me, he talks to me in stories, and I love it because I can see what's going on. It goes past the words, and I can see a picture unfolding. So with just these three words, we see a picture. The Lord says, why and why behold this? In other words, why are you 
Why are you examining what's in their eye? Why are you contemplating it? Why are you meditating on what's stuck in their eye? Why? Why are you all in their face? trying to think about or imagine how it got there your your thoughts or your mind has been directed from what's in front of you to what's in front of them why why see a person that's really that's really almost obsessed with something that is stuck in someone else's eye now let's look at the word i because this is powerful the word i of course in the greek does mean i But metaphorically, it means the eye of the mind, the facility, or the rather faculty of knowing. The eye is the power of vision and sight. The eye is also uh, an instrument, uh, or can be an instrument, of evil desire. You've heard people say, he looked at me with an evil eye. Or he looked at me with, with an eye of lust. Because the eye is also the principal avenue of temptation. That's the principal way that temptation enters in, into the heart, into the mind, is through the eye, through the eye gates. You see something that you really want. You see something and it, and it turns you on. There's a, a desire or craving that comes about as a result of what we see. We see something. Now here again, uh, the eye talks about, um, talks about the uh, facility or the faculty of knowing there's something in my mind. So when the Bible talks about I, it's talking about our thought processes. We're thinking about something. Now, it's impossible to, for you to know what I'm thinking, except you, uh, if you were a mind reader, you would know. But uh, the only way that you can know what I'm thinking is if I tell you what I'm thinking or you see what I am doing. Obviously, if I'm standing over you with a knife and I'm doing this, you know I'm thinking about killing you, right? I mean, some things are pretty obvious. So the only way you really know what's in someone's mind or what they're thinking about, one, they tell you, or two, you to study their actions. And so we see here in this context, in this verse, here's someone that has been studying the actions of this person. The Lord says, why are you examining their life? Why are you contemplating? Why are you turning your thoughts toward them, toward their life. Why? 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 Why is your life wrapped up around what they are doing or what they have done? Why? Why complicate your life with someone else's mess? I pray you hear that. The Lord says, why beholdest thou the moat? Or that is to say, uh, it's a dry stalk, a moat uh, is a dry stalk or a twig or or chaff, or we could say, um, or we could say sawdust, some form of sawdust that has gotten in their eye. Why are you so concerned about what's in their eye? Now, understand something. Then he goes on to say, let me bounce ahead just a moment. He says that, but considers not the beam that is in your own eye. So we see two particular things. The Lord Jesus is bringing something to our attention. Now, this is a parable that, has a, that uh, is an earthly story, but that has a heavenly meaning. And if we can glean the meaning, it will help us. There are two things here that are obstructing the vision of these two brothers. Now, it says, now, let's look at it again. 
It says, why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? Brother here talking about the comrade, your comrade, a, a fellow believer. As the two of you are walking along and uh, trying your best to serve the Lord, or, or there are two people in agreement. This is your brother. As they're walking along, one sees something in the other's eye. They see them walking contrary to what they have believed. Now, we see here that both of them have something in their eye. One is a speck, or we could say sawdust, and one is a beam, a piece of wood, we can say. Now, beam, of course, is a finished product. Uh, somebody cut a tree down, and, of course, they used beams, even back in Bible times, to hold up walls. Beam. It's something that has been chiseled, chiseled down that can be used for construction. Are you with me? So he says, why are you beholding the, the sawdust, in so many words, that's in your brother's eye, and you have a beam, or we can say a two-by-four, in your eye? Both of them have some form of wood in their eyes. Now, if we take a closer look at that and zoom on into the picture, we would see that the things that are in their eyes is causing them to stumble, is causing them to sin. And to find a good picture of that, we go back into the book of Genesis, the third chapter. When the devil uh, entered into the serpent or convinced the serpent to speak to the woman and the man to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there is a picture developing here. Once the, the Bible says that once the woman saw, once the woman saw, once the woman saw that this tree was good for food, once she saw it, that it was good for food, what did they do? They, she ate it and she gave it to her husband to eat. So we see an example here of tree, wood, and also of the eye. When, I, when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that tree split and it got into the eyes of man. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and read that to you. I want to read that in Genesis, the third chapter, uh, verse number four. It says, the, the serpent said unto the woman, uh, ye shall not surely die, for God doeth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. This will affect your eyes. Once you eat this, this will affect your eyes. This will affect your sight. This will affect your vision. And understand, if you can't see clearly, you're not going to get to where you got to go. It's going to slow you down. How many of you uh, have ever had something in your eye before? Ever had an eyelash in your eye? Oh, it hurts. It's irritating and your, your eye begins to water, and you really can't see where you're going. you got one good eye that you're trying to see out. So, you, so, you're, so here again, this eye, this, um, this moat or this beam is obviously in one eye. It's not in both eyes because it's pretty hard to see if you got two two before stuck in both eyes. Are you with me? One in here, no. But there is one eye that we're seeing, and, and this tells us that we're only seeing half the picture. We're only seeing half of what's actually going on. All we are seeing is the outward manifestation of what's happening in their heart, of what they're thinking about in their mind. Hallelujah. That's all you're seeing, only half the picture. And the enemy knew. That once Adam and Eve, once you eat of this, it's going to take out half of your sight. You will not be able to see clearly 
once you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And how, and how many of us can attest that uh, once we are involved in sin, or the Bible says in the book of James, that once lust have been conceived, once it's in you, oh, it's then going to uh, change the way you look at things. It changes the way men look at women. Oh, look at her. Mm-hmm. Supper time tonight. Mm-hmm. It changes the way women look at other women. Who does she think she is wearing them stilettos? She don't have the heels for that. Who is she? Look at her with her hat on. It changes the way we look at others when we have something stuck in our eye. Are you with me? So we see a picture here. The enemy knew once you eat of this, something's going to get in your eye. And it's been in man's eye obstructing our vision, even of the presence of God from the beginning. It's been obstructing the way we see God and the way we see our fellow man from the beginning. So the Bible says here, then your eyes shall be open. Your eyes will be uh, open and, and you shall be as gods in knowing good and evil. Verse number six says, and, women, and, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and, the, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And what happened? Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. They could see something now but they only saw half the picture. One of their eyes was put out. They could no longer see the glory of God surrounding them, so they had to create a substitute. Let's get some fig leaves and, and strap it on us because we can't see the glory anymore. We can't see the presence of God anymore because there's something stuck in our eyes. As we see here, again, in Matthew, the, the, the seventh chapter, the Lord says, Why beholdest the mote that is in your brother's eye. You're only seeing half of what's going on. Why are you sitting in judgment? Coming from verses 1 and 2. Why are you sitting in judgment? Why are you examining the evidence, quote unquote, against them? Because you're looking at what they're doing. You're only seeing half the picture. He says, why are you examining the mote? Why are you examining the speck in your brother's eye now? Here again, he's not talking about uh, Christians examining the lifestyle of sinners in the world. He's talking about Christian-on-Christian Christian violence. They would say black-on-black black violence, black-on-black black crime. He's talking about Christian-on-Christian Christian violence. As we're walking together, as we're ushering, as we are preaching in the pulpit, as we are singing in the choir, he's talking about Christian-on-Christian's hating each other because of something that they see happening in their brother or sister's life. Are you with me? And so the Bible goes on to say, the Lord Jesus says, but consider thou not the beam that is in your own eye. He said, why? I love this. Why are you looking at that speck and you're not even considering the big two before that's in yours. Now, I love this because the Lord says you're not even considering it. 
He doesn't say you don't know about it. Oh, you know about it all right. You're just not thinking about it. You just put it out of your mind, so far out of your mind. This being talks about a massive problem, a massive growth. What may have started just as a speck of sawdust has now multiplied and grew into a full piece of tuberful that's sticking out of your eye. What started small has become big because you had not dealt with it. Oh, somebody's hearing this today. Undealt with, unconfessed, unrepented sin, hidden sin, secret sin that started small as an as a irritation, a slight irritation that made your eye water has now put out the sight of that eye completely. And now you cannot see to help anyone else. All we see is half of the picture. All we see is half. The Lord said, but consider not, or you don't consider what is in your own eye, your own massive problem. You don't even consider it. You, before we sit in judgment on another, you don't even consider the mess that you are currently in. Why aren't you considering your own mess? He said, you got enough to think about just looking at you. Why are you sitting in judgment against them? I love that. I love that. He says, and considers not. Now, the word consider means to perceive. It means to remark. It means to observe. It means to understand. It means to fix one's eyes or mind upon. Think about what you are doing. Some people say, well, well pastor, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's so hard for me to forgive. Uh, you don't know what happened. You know, and the Lord taught me a long time ago really how to forgive. And he really began to deal with me uh, as it related to driving an automobile. One day I was driving back from a place I had no business going. Praise the Lord. Many, 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 many years ago, in case somebody is trying to look at what's in my eye. Praise Jesus. As I was driving back, I was in traffic on a, it's on just a two-lane highway, one coming and one going. Or was it one lane, whatever you want to call it. And the cars in front of me were going just really too slow. So I sought an opportunity to pass. So when I fought, I thought, I thought there was sufficient room. I turned into the oncoming traffic lane when I thought I had sufficient room and I gunned it. I gunned the car. Let me get around these cars. I floored it the best I could with the car that I had at the time. But what I did not know was that the person I was trying to pass that was in my lane thought it was Daytona. Thought, it, thought we were at the speedway because they began to accelerate as well. <laughs> what in the world is going on here? So I began to accelerate because I had to get around this man because this man is crazy. So while we were having our brief time of fast and furious going down the road, another car begins to come. 
toward me. And I'm panicking now. All I want to do is get around and go home. But as this car approaches, the horns begin to, the sound, and panic begins to fill my heart. Oh God, oh God. And I finally was able to get over. My God. But that car, you see the panic in that driver's face. Oh my God. And they had to get over just a little bit on in the on the uh, median there just to make sure they didn't hit me. And I got over and I said, Lord, I won't do that anymore. But that had me, that whole experience made it a lot easier for me to forgive somebody when they cut me off. When they pulled out in front of me, I looked back at that experience and I said, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And I definitely forgive them. I definitely forgive them. When you cannot look at your own self, when you can't even see the beam, when you don't even consider the what's in your eye or what you have done, if you don't consider what you have done, it's, it is difficult for you to forgive. But when we consider the despicable, distasteful things that we have done, and how we have hurt the king of glory because of our own actions, and we can't usher out forgiveness, something's wrong. We can only... We can only say that we cannot forgive when our eye has been put out, when we no longer consider who we are and what we have done. Well, praise the Lord. And so the Lord goes on to say here, but considers not the being that is in our own eye. Then he goes even further. He says, or how, I love this, or how will thou say to your brother, how can you even make your lips form these words? First, it's why are you meditating on what, the, why are you examining, don't you, why are you examining them? Haven't you considered your own state? Then he says, how can you say, how can your mouth even form the words? Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? How can, you, how can you say to your brother, let me pull out the moat that is in thine eyes? Stop. You got a big two before in your eye. You have a massive problem with sin, a massive problem with temptation. You've got a lot of things going on in your, your life. There may be some form of addiction uh, to drugs or to alcohol or, or even some type of sexual sin. And we cannot see this thing that is around us. We cannot see the mess that we're in for judging with our good eye, supposedly. Judging somebody that has sold us in their eye. The Lord said, how? Then he says, how can you, how can you say, or how will you say? How will you utter to your brother, let me pull out, let me pull out. Uh, the moat that is in your eye. Now, the word pull out here in the Greek means to cast out. It means to drive out uh, with the notion of violence. It's kind of like I can see a picture. Let me get somebody to help me. Who wants to help me? Come on up. All right, come on, Jordan. Jordan's going to come and she's going to help me out. Come on up here, honey. It's kind of like I see someone and they, come on, honey. 
and they have something in her, let's say Jordan has that speck in her eye, and I'm so concerned about it, so concerned about it. First of all, I've been meditating on it, thinking about examining, examining this. You really got something in your eye. And just bothering me when I go home. Boy, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe she said that. And it's really thinking. It's really on me. It's really on me. It's really on me. And then when I finally get up nerves, I come to her. I say, let me just pull that out of your eye. Let me. Let me just pull it. Just come. Come. Let me just pull it. Let's, let, just, let, 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 let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let, let me pull it. Oh. You see what I'm saying here? It says, or how would thou say to thy brother, let me pull this out of your eye. Let me drive this out of your eye because it's bothering me so bad. Let me drive it out. Give her a hand. Thank you so much. Can you see the flavor of this verse? Can you see a picture unfolding? I can see a motion picture movie coming out of this. And said, oh, how will you say it? Now you're so wrapped up in your thoughts, your mind now, your whole thinking is involved in this person's sin, the thing that they are involved in. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Every time you get up, you're thinking about what they are doing. wonder what they're doing today. And so finally you have gotten all wrapped up in it. Now you've just got to take some action. And you go to them and say, the Lord says, how will you say, or you go to them and say, let me pull this out of your eye. Let me drive this out of you. Come here in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come out of here, lust demon. Come out of here, stealing demon. Come out, come out, come out. Lord said, how can you even say that? How can you even say that? Then he goes on to say, thou hypocrite, which reveals something else from the very beginning. Hypocrite, we know, is, is an actor or an actress, one that is pretending. So from the very beginning, this person was just simply pretending to care about the speck or the sawdust that was in their friend's eye, pretending. What they really wanted to be or really wanted to do, excuse me, was to look superior. I know something about you. I see the sin you got in your life and you need to get rid of it. I'm very good at covering up mine, but I see yours. And you need to get rid of this. This is not right. We're going to put you out of the church because of what you've been doing. Get it right. Get it right. Get it right. Hallelujah. And so he says, the Lord says, you are a hypocrite. In other words, you are faking or feigning that you actually care about this person when you really don't. You just want something to hold over them. I know something about you. I know what you did last summer. I got something over you. Watch it, buddy. Are you hearing what's being said? Now, this thinking, the Lord actually, he says it here, but it, it sweeps. There are many sweeping examples in the word of God. Many sweeping, wonderful examples that we can see in the word. 
We can actually see uh, in the book of Exodus, the Exodus, the fourth chapter, verses 24 through, uh, uh, through 26, you see how Zipporah, Moses' wife, calls Moses a bloody man. She said, thou art a bloody man or a bloody husband unto me. Why would she say that to Moses? Because Moses was trying his best to remove the reproach out of the reproach or uh, trying to do his best to save the people of God, to save Israel. He was trying to save the world, trying to deliver them. He was concerned about their problems, but he didn't take care of his own home. There was an angel coming in to kill his own son. Now that's a beam. If you never heard it before, that's a beam that was in Moses' home. A full-grown piece of two-by-four in his home or four-by-four in Moses' home while he's trying to remove a speck out of the eye of Israel. We see it also in the, in the life of David. There in 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, we see how uh, the prophet Nathan comes to David and, and tells him a story of a rich man that had many sheep many uh, livestock and and there was also a poor man that only had one little bitty sheep and Nathan said well uh, King David this rich man came and and he stole away that one sheep that that poor little old man had the Bible says David got up and he was enraged what this man shall surely die and he's going to return that sheep fourfold he's going to give him back fourfold then Nathan said you the man <laughs> what do you mean Nathan you know what I'm talking about David you got all these women up in here and you took Uriah's wife who only had one wife and you killed him oh my bad David, you're in trouble now. Sitting in judgment over someone else when he had a beam, a big honking two before, 12 by 12 piece of wood right there in his own house. Are you with me? But one of the greatest examples I can see of this is in the book of Luke, the 18th chapter, verses 9 through 14. We're going to take time and look at this. It says in verse number 9, it says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10 says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners and unjust adulterers or even as this public the sinner I am not like him filled with pride doesn't understand that there is a beam in his eye while he's considering the speck in this sinner's eye. He goes on to say, he says, uh, he says I, I fast twice a week, twice in one week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And there is a publican over there standing afar off, and he would not lift up 
so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So is this concept new? No, the Lord was simply bringing us, bringing out something that we all need to know today. As we get back into Matthew 7, as we're um, coming toward a close. Notice what the word of God says. The Lord says, now hypocrite. He calls him a hypocrite. You're not concerned about what's in his eye. You're not really concerned uh, about pulling it out or casting it out. You're not concerned about that. You just want to make yourself look good. Lord says, I discern your true motives and intent. You just want to look superior. And then the Lord gives us some very comforting words here. Comforting words for the man that's over there with the speck in his eye who's not bothering anybody. There's nothing in the word that says this man is bothering anybody. He's got a problem. He's in sin. There is temptation in his eye. There is a monkey on his back. And whenever he looks at something, he looks at it with lust. And it's causing him to have wrong actions. It's causing him to do wrong things. And I heard a special or, or a sermon not too long ago about um, uh, um, James Dobson's uh, uh, interview with Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer claimed that his whole experience with serial killing and killing ladies and all that, he said it started with pornography and it grew. What started with a speck now grew into a beam and affected many others. As a matter of fact, many of those that were on death row had an addiction to pornography or some sort of sexual sin. And contrary to popular belief, pornography is just not a man thing anymore. Uh-oh. Are you with me? Because the speck was not dealt with, it grew into a full-blown four-by-four. Are you with me? He says, but here's some comforting words from our master. Say with me, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He says, thou hypocrite. He says, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Stop. He says, cast out the beam out of your own eye. You don't need a preacher. He didn't say, first go to the priest and have them to perform an exorcism. He didn't say do that at all. He didn't say go dip with some holy water. He didn't say that at all. He didn't say get some oil. He didn't say any of that. He said you cast out the beam that's in your own eye. You have the power, born again believer, to deal with this beam that is in your own house. To deal with the beam that is in your own thinking. We have the ability through Christ to deal with our own thinking. To deal with the way our minds are, our minds are translating what we see with our eyes. Hallelujah. Two people can see the same picture in the Rorschach test. A psychiatrist holds up a picture. To me, it looks like a butterfly. To them, it looks like somebody naked. I don't know. But it's what they do that to determine what's on your mind, what's enwrapping your thoughts, 
what's constantly on you. There's something that, that has invaded your thought processes that causes your eyes to see things in a different way. There's something in your eye. Hallelujah. So he says, you have the power. Cast out the beam that is in your own eye. I love that. If we got the power to cast out the beam, we got the power to cast out the speck. Are you with me? Oh, this is comforting. This is, this is so comforting. We have the ability through Christ to cast that monkey off of our back so we can see things clearly. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When there is a monkey on your back, when there is a strong desire on the inside of your heart, you can't see anything clearly because you've got to get your next fix. When there was a monkey on your back of, a, of, um, of the spirit of slap, you can't do nothing until you go and slap somebody. When there's something on your back, when, there is a, when you've got to get your next fix, when you've got to see the next thing, when you've got to see it, when you've got to feel it, nothing will, nothing will uh, uh, suffice until you get this. And a lot of people have gotten to a lot of trouble feeding that monkey. I can't get no talking here. But the Lord said, you have the power, you can cast out the beam that is in your own eye. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you've got the power through Christ Jesus to cast out this beam. I'm telling you. He said, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the moat of thy brother's eye. And understand something, after we have dealt with our own mess, after we have dealt with our own trash, we are a lot more sympathetic when we deal with other people. You find yourself, you won't point a finger at anybody because all you got is a nub left. Because you know what you've been doing. You, you know we feel regret over what we have done and remorse and and shame and the Lord has washed it away and we are whole and we become one of the ones that the Bible talks about ye which are spiritual go and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness because we've been through something we've been there we've done that we know the pain we know the hurt we know the agony so if you find someone that's willing to cast judgment on you and to say all manner of evil against you because of something that you have done, understand they're not in the spirit of God. Look and see or examine or consider, we can say, how did Jesus relate to his disciples, his followers? And how do you relate to the Pharisees and Sadducees? To the Pharisees and Sadducees, and um, he called them vipers he called them hypocrites and he really lashed out he got a cord and 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 whipped them out of the temple he was really harsh but when the disciples messed up he said oh ye of little faith what happened he was always gentle with his people gentle with those that believed are you with me gentle and understanding and loving so if anyone comes to you in any other way, that's not the Spirit of Christ. Are you with me? All right. And so the Bible says here, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam that is in your own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly. And that's really what this thing is all about, so that we can see clearly. 
You can see clearly how to deal with what's in your brother's eye. You'll see clearly how to deal with other issues in our lives. We can't see clearly why we've got this stuck in our eye. It hurts and it's painful. And the Lord wants us to see clearly. He wants the damage, uh, he wants the damage healed that occurred from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He wants our thinking, he wants our minds refreshed and our minds renewed. We can be clean, cleansed by the word of the Lord. By, we can be cleansed by what he has said. We can have the, the mind of Christ. We're going to look at this in Romans, the 8th chapter, and we're going to really start here Romans 8, verse 6 and 7 says, For to be carnally minded, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Oh, wow. You don't have any peace when you got a monkey on your back. Oh, Lord, I wish I had somebody to talk to me in here today. You don't have peace when there is a desire for something and you, there's a craving for something. And really, even after you get that certain something, whatever that certain something is, you get it, you do it. And you have a peace just for a moment. But after that moment wears off, here comes the pain again. Here comes the agony again. And now it's even worse because you've got the shame and the guilt of you having done it. Oh, God, I can't believe I did it again. I just told you a few minutes ago I wouldn't do it and I did it again. Oh, Father, help me. You have the power through Christ Jesus to remove the beam out of your eye. We start first with the thoughts, with the mind. We start first inwardly. It's what the Lord Jesus is telling us about. We start first inwardly before we attack the outward actions. As a matter of fact, once we conquer the enemy on the inside, the enemy on the outside can do us no harm. Let me say that again. Once you conquer the enemy on the inside, then the enemy on the outside can do you no harm. And the Bible goes on to say in verse number 7 of Romans 8 chapter, because the carnal man, because the carnal mind, rather, is enmity against God or is at war against God. For it is not subject to, uh, subject to the law of God, neither, in, neither indeed can be. It can't be. The Bible says in Romans 12, chapter, verse 15, or rather verse 16, it says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but consent to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits. Consider yourself, the Bible says, lest you be tempted. Even while you're taking communion, God does not say examine your brother. He says examine yourself. He says examine yourself. You've got to examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith or not. Examine yourself. Go before God for yourself. Lord, wash me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, help me. You've got to pick up the Bible for yourself. You've got to pray for yourself. Hallelujah. Then as we do this, we'll be better. We can better see how to navigate through life. This is why we keep falling into so many holes financially and maritally and, and relationally and all the other places because we can't see clearly. We only see half the picture. When your sight is restored, you'll see also the glory of God restored, and life becomes so much better. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We are done in Jesus' mighty name.
Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. 